This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe even taking your corporate stooge job to the curb in the process. Today, it's Monday, February 29th, 2016. This is our 88th episode. My name is Dan Benjamin. I'm here in Austin, Texas, and sitting across from me here in the in the real-life studio is none other than Hattie Cook. Hattie, welcome back to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fine. Doing just fine. It's a nice day outside today. Yeah. That's good. It's February and it's like 78 Yeah, it is, it's weird. <laughs> I love it. It's really weird. I have a whole bunch of topics that I want to cover today. I think it's important to cover some of these because... People, I think, who listen to this show, there's a, why do you, okay, let me, let me re, reel it back in a little bit. Why, Hattie, why do you think people listen to this show? Well, I think that it really helps some people because they might need advice and they may not have anyone that they want to talk to about their work because probably everyone that they know or are close to would probably have some sort of personal stake in it, like yeah. their wife or their husband or their parents or... Sure anyone you can't really talk to a colleague about leaving right you can't look at the, the person in the cube next to you like <laughs> hey best friend hey best friend hey I'm, frank i'm, I'm gonna really quit. hate it here <laughs> right or you work at a small company like here and like right i'm like dan i'm really you know what i'm thinking about leaving. <laughs> right, i'm thinking about quitting what do you think should i do it and you'd be like uh no no it'd be a terrible <laughs> idea you know i think that's i hope that's Part of the reason why people listen to the show. That would make me very happy. Well, and it, that we give good advice, hopefully. Well, you do. No, I think you do. That's true. And the reason that this is on my mind is there's been an article that made the rounds from a person who I admire. I admire her as a, uh, as a designer, as a business person. She lives in the UK. She goes by the moniker, mo- moniker, Sazzy, S-A-Z-Z-Y, which maybe, is is that like a British kind of a nickname? It sounds, I mean, it definitely been, sounds you've been to British. the UK yes. and you, you, you say you cry every time you're on the plane landing in the UK at well, London. I have. And every time so you take I'm, off, you cry. Right, That's all I know about your I'm whole trip. I'm excited and I'm leaving and I'm sad. <laughs> so. It's like, it's like Sarah and Jazzy combined. Sazzy. But is that like a common name? I have not heard that, no. Okay. Sarah, though? Yes. Sarah, common name, Sazzy. I think both in the UK and the United States. For? Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Not, not Sazzy. Okay. Sarah Parmenter. She has uh, been a designer. I would put her in the old school world of design, along with people like, uh, like a Jeffrey Zeldman, like a Jen Simmons. She's in Cameron Mall. She's in that, and I'm I'm definitely in that school. You can put yourself in that. Not because I'm a designer, because I suck at design these days, but because that be, was sort of when I came up. I came up at that time. She came up at that time. Who That's would be all I'm saying. A, a new designer. Exactly. Who would be? All of us. All of you. You would be a new designer. Well, I don't think I count. Really, I think you count. But I'm saying <laughs> people people who are who are currently in their twenties, mid to late twenties. That's the new generation of designers. Right. I'm trying the, to our friends something. over at Fun Size, I would put them in the newer category, even yes. though they're kind of borderline. Yeah. 
But you know what I'm saying. Anyway, that's not the, the, that's not the point. The point is she's been doing this for a while. And in this post, the post will be in our show notes, which are at 5by5.tv slash quit slash 88. She's talking about a recent speaking uh, thing that she did. And she's, I'm going to paraphrase some elements from this article. She says, on, uh, and actually I'll quote some first. On the stage, a very adept and confident speaker jokingly mentioned a web-related joke that feels decades old, which she was sarcastically referring to as being decades old, and the whole room fell about laughing. It was the first time they had heard this reference. It was in that moment I realized the web industry had changed as we knew it. I looked at the other speakers, and they too had a similar look of realization on their faces. We have entered a whole new era of the web. She continues to write an excellent article talking about the world of freelancing and the web industry as a whole. She says, there's very few freelancers that I know of making the same living that they were making three plus years ago. Conferences that were once a stable part of every web designer's calendar have disappeared, and no one from, in quotes, the old days can quite put a finger on why the web industry feels different. She says, work has dried up. How can that be, I hear you ask? We have more devices than ever that need to be designed for. We've got more jobs than ever to do. Or maybe you're one of the lucky ones saying, I'm busier than ever, judging by what I'm hearing at conferences and what I'm seeing come on in my inbox. You're lucky. You're in the minority. Lots, and I mean lots of people, are struggling. She goes on to kind of continue explaining why she thinks this is, and that's her answer is, there are many, many, many more designers out there, and so many companies have, are bringing designers in-house now. They're saying, you know what, we can go into the workforce and we can find one or two designers who are going to be super capable, super competent, super able to come in, do really amazing work, and we have enough work that we can, you know, we can keep them here. Right. They don't want to keep hiring, you know, companies to do their design. They want to bring it in-house because... I think a lot of companies are realizing how important design is right, and to stay consistent and to keep switching your your design houses or whatever. Like I feel like they're understanding that that might be a bad thing. Maybe. This way they can control the whole thing. She's this big companies realizing they were spending on talent they didn't own, so recruiting talent or finding existing people within the company to step up. It didn't seem to matter who I spoke to last year. Similar stories of hiring internally rather than using external agencies and freelancers cropped up, and thus a significant new breed of web designer was born. Companies who would have once used small studios or freelancers to complete their projects no longer had a need to use them, and work started to dry up for people who had relied on abundant freelance lifestyle that was once afforded to them. Now I know it's happening. I'm seeing it. I'm hearing it via friends. I'm seeing the heartbreaking repercussions of perfectly talented people emailing me in desperation, asking me whether I have any tips or insider knowledge about getting work. These are people who are trying to pursue jobs for hours upon hours a day and getting zero leads. She goes on to say, she, why ask the question? Why is no one asking about this? People are struggling and they're not talking about it. Probably pride. Yeah. People don't want to say, man, I can't, I'm, I can't find a job. Like that's the worst thing you could say. You don't say. want, I feel like most people don't want others to worry about them, especially <laughs> if they're freelancers, because it's basically like saying, <laughs> right. I failed at my business. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't really know. 
I don't really know if there's a clear answer to this, but what I do know is that things have really, really changed out there. There used to be this, I will use the word petulant, but this uh, this sort of attitude, eh, I'll find work, you know, I'm going to do a project, then I may do some traveling or just take a month off, and when I get back, there'll be more work for me because I'm good. And it was this sort of smug, smug designer. I'm sure you've seen a lot of smug designers out there. Yes. Who just, I'm really good. I'll, yeah, there's always going to be work for me. Living the fluid life. And that's a famous quote that I, I will misquote, which is, you know, ev- everybody's going to get their 15 minutes, right? And when it's your 15 minutes seems like nothing can go wrong for you. It seems like, uh, you know, you could do whatever you want, but enjoy it while it lasts. That's all I've got to say. Enjoy, enjoy that while it lasts, but know that it is something that's temporary. When you're the new kid on the block and you're doing something cool and hot and you're connected to some kind of fun, awesome project, that's temporary. It doesn't seem temporary when right. you're there, when you're on top of something. But after you go and you do something and you see it become successful and then you see that taper off for one reason or another, because guess what? MASH is not on TV anymore. Neither is Friends. Neither is Friends. Or Seinfeld. Or Letterman. And even (laughs) while these shows were on the air, they... And they're the king of shows. They were the king and then they weren't the king anymore. Being king title. So... You know, it, I think it, I know why it happened, to be honest. Well, it, well, let's get to that. But overall, I think that for whatever the reason is, it, it always comes down in the end to people's attention spans. People only like something for a certain amount of time. There's always a peak. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come back. Robert Downey Jr. was really big in the 80s. And guess what? He's really big again now. But he knows that he's not going to be really big in five years or 10 years or 20 years. See the movie Birdman for reference on that. And that's exactly the situation that, that I think freelancers are in right now is that you can do something and you can ride that wave of like freelancers or everyone because, you know, back in the old days, you had big companies like Razorfish and like you could charge anything to do web design. I remember when nobody knew how to make a website. I could charge anything I wanted to anybody. Because no one else knew how to do it. No one else. That's what I was about to say was that the gap between, oh my gosh, amazing designers that can do anything, they're, they're you know, we could do nothing without them. Right. Now that gap is closing because of amazing companies like Squarespace and things like that. They're putting tools, designers' tools that yeah. were once exclusive to right, them right. into the hands of just anyone. And I think that's happening across a lot of different genres of of things nowadays. Um, but I don't know. I think that's I think that's why maybe work is drying up because I think there's more designers, just like there are more podcasts now. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? you're absolutely right. And I think I think bringing it over into podcasts is it's it makes sense. That's what we do for a living. When I when I first launched Five by Five in two thousand nine, you were doing something that many, many, many people could not do. They couldn't do it, or they couldn't do it very well. They didn't well. know how. They didn't know how. 
And there were very, very few other pl- other players out there at that time. And so, like every time you'd look at iTunes or anywhere else that had some kind of directory, we'd be we'd have the top, we'd have half of the top ten shows across all these categories. And of course, it's not true now. Well, why do I say of course? Because of what Hattie said, there's so many other shows out there now, and so many other really good shows out there. Some of them suck. Some of them are amazing. But there's just so many. There yeah. are so many shows around. And now I feel like that's how it is for designers and web designers. For sure. It's and like, it should be. You know what? It right. should be that way. It makes it harder for people to distinguish themselves. But it doesn't make, and this is my point, it doesn't make what you're doing less important. No. It just means you need to work harder and you need to work on standing out even more. You can't coast if you have been coasting. You can't coast. Do you, you know, I'm of the philosophy that you should do a good job even when there's nobody else around to know if you did a good job or even if you did any job at all. I think that's really important. There's that hilarious uh, episode of Futurama uh, called Godfellas, <laughs> which I'll put uh, a link to that in the show notes. And Bender winds up, I don't want to ruin it, but he, he winds up going into space for one reason or another. And he meets a being who is, at least for all intents and purposes, it seems like it might be God or a God or it thinks it's God. And in typical Futurama way, it's very funny. But one of the things that the being says to Bender, who's a robot, by the way, it says, if you do things right, people won't know you've done anything at all. And that's sort of the mantra of the system administrator, which I used to be for many years, running computer systems in a, in a dark room, flipping tapes late at night, 3 a.m. coming going in, well. back up. You don't exist. No one even, and I, I, so many times people would see me rushing down the hall and, and they never knew what I did. I was always, it always seemed like I was doing something important, which I, I, I was, if they wanted to use their windows for work groups machines. And I was running down the hall and I'd be doing something. And I, I, there were so many times people would be like, what do Dan, what do you do here? And I would proceed to tell them some of the things that I did and in the least nerdy way possible. And they'd be like, oh, good. Well, it sounds, sounds like we need you then. But like I was one of those people who they were better off if, if they saw me, then that meant something bad had happened. Right. You never want to see your plumber. Right. Kind of like a plumber, kind of like the police in a way. <laughs> You'd never you don't really, really want to see them. Right. They're only there. The, the, the fire trucks are only there wrong. if something goes wrong. You don't want the fire trucks there. It means something you bad. You love happened. the fire trucks. <laughs> you want but to you know never they're want there. To see them. <laughs> you want to know they're about a block away. You just don't want to have to see them. You know, and and, and honestly, like right now, working on on Fireside, our our podcast hosting analytics platform, I have hired a designer and a developer that I'm working with, and the designer is a freelance designer. He's doing a great job. And, you know, I I would never have considered hiring someone because we're a tiny little company, just a few people. What would I be able to hire someone for? So there's work out there, but my budget is really small. You know, I'm he's he's as much as I can afford and I'm spending it all to have his help. But like I've I've brought down what he needs to do to a very, very specific 
set right. of tasks. Like he's going to do this and not no more. You didn't just put him in a craft room and right. like, figure something out. I, I can't do that. <laughs> and I think work will continue to, to it will, the world, it, freelance, I remember, and, and uh, okay, so let me do, let me do our uh, sponsor really quick. And then after that, I'm, I would like to tell you about something I've talked about a little bit before, which is how now we're in a, in a world where freelancing has really changed, not just for designers, but freelancing in general. But I have two stories I want to tell you about freelancers in the past and how they ran their businesses and why they have both uh, failed. My first sponsor today, I'm so excited about this one, Hattie. This is a big one. Super excited. Super excited to tell you about Mac Weldon. What is Mac Weldon? The only way Mac Weldon could have could be better. And I've, I feel it's only fair to start out with a critique if they want to sponsor. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they can take it, right? I think so. Would be if they, instead of being called Mac Weldon, they just called it Dan Weldon. That's the only way that these guys could I think could they improve. will understand where you're coming from. I mean, I, Mac is a cool name. I think Dan is a little more masculine. I think it's stronger. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. think it's more, when you hear the name Dan, it's classier of a name. Mac is all right. It's just not, they're going to have to run with this. I am just an idea guy for them, but this is how they can improve. There's no other way for them to improve. They're at the top right now, other than that. And here's what I want you to know. Dan Weldon, or Mac Weldon, whatever. <laughs> they make clothes that are better than whatever you are wearing right now. Look at what you're wearing, guys. What kind of clothes? Doesn't matter. Mac Weldon is making something better. This is their, this is their goal. This is where they come from. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. And so in order to familiarize myself with this, so I could do, do the spot, I had to get a whole bunch of clothing. So I went on to their site. It's all site. dude stuff. It's all, yes, I should mention, it's all dude stuff. So if you are male, if you like to wear men's clothing, and regardless of what gender you are or are not, if you are a person who would like to buy something for a male, you can go to Dan or Mac Weldon <laughs> and check this out. I, what I really like about the whole experience there is how easy it was to shop up because I, I don't like any kind of clothing shopping, even online clothing shopping. I don't like, and they get that. I don't think any guys, when I go to buy something I'm like, okay, I need this. I, I need a pair of jeans. I know I want a dark pair of jeans. I want a, this, this particular one. I'm going to get it from this store in this size. I walk into the store. Do you have this pair of jeans in this size right now? Yes, I'm buying that. No. If not, all right, peace, I'm out. Bye, I'll see you in three months. <laughs> Mac Weldon makes it that easy for you to shop on their site. They split up their category. They do, they do briefs, they do undershirts, t-shirts, socks. They even do, are doing some sweats now, sweatshirts, sweatpants. And you go in there and it's super simple. You just click the category that you want. They even make like packs. Like once you know oh, what yeah. you love, you, could you get... can roll in there and be like, I want 20 of all the same thing. That's and right. You just, it sounds awesome. like someone's been shopping for her coworker, doesn't it? No. You haven't? No. Because I need Sorry. more of this stuff. Because <laughs> I, I did, I, I started with a few things and the quality of this stuff is great. I don't know what it is, but a lot of these online, I'm not going to point fingers, but a lot of these online men's clothing places, it's, it's like crap, like really low quality stuff. And then you get it and you're like, oh, I guess really I'll give this to my brother-in-law. And, uh, and in fact, I don't want to give any Mac Welton stuff away. I really like it. Fits great. 
And and here they strive to make it the best. They want to make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants that you will ever wear. Everything they make is naturally antimicrobial, which means it won't stink. Guys, they want it to be Stinky comfortable. Men. And if you don't like your, fir- your first pair, you order something. If you don't like it, you keep it and they still refund you. They don't even ask questions. You're like, I tried. I didn't like it. Refund. You keep it. They perform well, too. You can work out in this stuff. You can go to work. You could go out on a date or just live your life in this stuff. And they made a special deal. If you use the promo code QUIT, you're going to get 20% off. So go to MacWeldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using the promo code QUIT. These guys are doing it right. Doing it right. Proud to have them as a sponsor. Listen, just go, go there and buy yourself a pair, new pair of underwear. You know you need it. Talking, you know you need it. Talking about standing out from the crowd. Oh, my gosh. MacWeldon.com. Use the code QUIT. Seriously, right now, hit pause and go and, and do this. Make them proud to have sponsored this show. Otherwise, shame on you. Thanks to MacWeldon. It's good. I'm telling you. I the know. underwear I is know. super comfortable. I'm wearing the underwear right now. I'm wearing the T-shirt, the MacWeldon T-shirt right now. Didn't you get a hoodie? I, got, I had my blue hoodie on last night. It's very cozy to wear the hoodie in the house. My wife likes it so cold in the house. I like it cold in the house, but she takes it too far. My kids walk around wrapping themselves in blankets. (laughs) Yeah, that seems a little cold. They're like, you know those fleece blankets? Oh, yes. I I have many of those. Last night, my, my boy comes out. He's like, Mom, where's my green fleece blanket? It's freezing in the house. And my little girl is like she's curled in a ball with it wrapped over her and she's like coloring underneath this shawl. I'm like, hey, can we make it a little warmer? She's like, why? It's fine in here. I'm like, yeah, you're running around doing, you know, dishes for an right. hour. That's why you're sweating. All of the rest of us are freezing. I had to put on my Mac Weldon hoodie. Kept you warm. That's all I got to say about that. So two people, one of them was a, a woman who was an amazing, and I suppose still is an amazing, talented designer. She treated her freelance projects like they were a piece of crap. If she was bored by it, she just would check out and stop really like doing any work on it. It was really, it really sucked working with her. It really sucked. She, and and I, I sat her down at one point and I'm like, listen, listen to me. You need to get serious about this and treat it like a business or people aren't going to hire you anymore. The design seems like a big world. It's a, it's a tiny little, little town. It's a room. And word travels fast. You do a bad job like this. You, you stop working on And you I think I've told this story before. Yeah, and she did blame it on a company. She made a blog post defaming a company. She wouldn't identify the company, but it was so clear who it was if you knew the web at that time. Unacceptable. She would go and I'd, I'd try, I, she'd say, oh, I'll have the deliverable, whatever. I'll have it free tomorrow. And she wouldn't send it. And I'd be like, what's up with that? Where is it? So I would email her and I'd be like, hey, we're waiting for the deliverable. Where is it? Like, would like to get it. And instead of, uh, instead of emailing me back, she would send a text. Sorry, I'm, bu- I'm, I'm busy right now, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can, probably tomorrow morning. Like she's setting her own deadline now. And then I would see tweets and Facebook posts from her. Of <laughs> like being And up. she's in the mall. At the Apple store in the mall. Looking at iPhones. This, 
Like, you can't make this crap up. Wow. And of course, you're mid-project with the person. You can't scrap it now. You just got to deal with it. And she knew it. Then there was another guy. He was an, um, one of the best developers I've ever known. He lives and breathes code. He could write code circles around anybody that I knew, especially me. He was amazing. And he would, he would just come into a project. He'd get it. And he'd be able to finish that, write the code, everything perfect, tests, everything. And he used the, I, I can't say what his name was, what his GitHub handle was or whatever, because no. it was out him. But it was the least professional, stupid name. And like, that was his domain name. That was his email address. That was his GitHub handle. It was everything. Inappropriate or just not professional? A like, little, like a little. Like drunk inna- dude, 98 or, or more like. Uh, Along those lines. I like hot girls, 20. Um, <laughs> more like the first one. Yeah. And I remember I said to him at one point, he was asking me how he could get more work and like what he could do to, you know, work on bigger projects with bigger companies. I said, well, you might have to change your name, your handle. He's like, I would never do that. I said, why not? He said, because that's, that's like, that's me, you know, like that's me. And I said, well, you could make a new me and right. use that instead. And he's like, why? I'm like, well, companies, the ones with a bunch of money. And this was, again, this was probably. How old was he? This was eight years ago or so. And things were not as hip and as cool as they are now. How old was he? Because it sounds Early, like you're talking. Early, mid-20s. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it sounds like you're talking to somebody that's like. 22. Right about to graduate college. And they're like, no, I'm going to like, this is my brand, you know, like, yeah. this is me. Yeah, I think that's like, what it was. you're like, but maybe polish, just polish around the edges. Right. <laughs> and they're like, no. Yeah, that's about right. So he, he said, uh, he said, I'm not changing. I'm not changing it. And I said, why not? He said, if a company doesn't want to work with me. Because that's the name, then I don't want them as a client. He did change it later. But, you know, the point is, we're no longer now, today, in a place where you can, you can take that kind of attitude, especially if you're just starting out. So I wanted to now jump to a related email that I received. You know, I have a, a joke here that I say on the show, which is, Everybody listening to the show wants to learn how to be a software developer or a designer. Because whenever, when our call-in system was working and we would get calls, That's people would calls always say, I am, I am an electrical engineer or I am a delivery truck driver or I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher or I'm a librarian or I'm pretty much anything. And what I want to do, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. What I really want to do though is write code. And I bought some books and I read some books and I'm, I, I want to do this for a living, but I don't know how to take it to the next stage. So that kind of just became a joke. So I say that. So when I say that, I, I don't mean it literally that everybody listening wants to do that, but it seems like a lot. It's common. Jeff writes and says, hey, Dan. Now, he spells it G-E-O-F-F. Oh, like Joff. Joffrey. I, I think that should be pronounced G-O-F. Joff. 
Joff. Or like as a nickname. Hey. Wasn't wasn't there in hey, Battle Joff. of the Planets, wasn't one of the kids in that Geoff? Well, there's also in... Uh, Was that his name? In, in Battle Game of, of Thrones, Planets? Joffrey, King Joffrey. Yeah, but nobody calls him... Joff. Geoff, really? If it was like 2015, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Battle of the Planets, there it is. I will uh, put that into the show notes. No, I've got to, now I've got, to, I've got to know what his name was. So there is Seven Zark Seven. Keop. Keop. K E Y O P. Kind of it's like the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same That's thing. That's like when I'm like, their name starts with an S and it starts with an L. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is close enough. They're close in the alphabet. Keop writes. Hey, Dan, in your last episode, you said that everyone who listened to you was a programmer or wanted to be one. Not true. I'm in finance and I don't know a thing about programming on any level. I hope you know you have cross-industry appeal. Anyway, I think the situation I'm facing is pretty universal. That is, coming into a new company that has a long track record of success with the expectation that I will drive a mandate of change. That's how it was when I hired you, Hattie. That I was going to I wanted you to have a, man, yeah, ma- a mandate of change. The president, I feel like I mandated change. You did. You first thing you did was clean up that ball of wires. It was as big as you were. The president of the company is behind me, but the rest of the team can in some ways be lukewarm about the change I'm trying to implement. It's the classic, if it ain't broke, don't fix it dilemma. But as the tech world knows all too well, the consequences of ignoring currents of change in your industry could be catastrophic. I'm not writing you this email on my BlackBerry. He says. (laughs) So the discussion that I think would be interesting would be how to contribute to and drive organizational change, particularly when you're trying to influence people who are at your level and above, and how to do so without making enemies along the way, as some people will feel that their comfortable position may be threatened by the change. I'm trying my best to play the political role and try to hear everyone's perspective, but there will come a time when I need to implement changes which some people won't like. How best to go about this? He then finishes the email. Just wanted to let you know that I enjoy the show. You and Hattie do a great job. I like your no BS attitude. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Keop or Jeff. <laughs> or Jeff, whichever. Uh, I think that's a difficult situation because he's coming in to like another other people's territory that have been there for a while. And they 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 think they know how things are supposed to be run. And I think that that is common, especially when you're bringing somebody in to change, like, the old way of doing things. Yeah. Like, well, we've always used fax fax machines. And you're like, what? But maybe, what if we didn't? You know, things like that 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 seemed cool maybe to them at the time or seemed perfectly up to date. Um, I think that people just in general are very, very opposed to change, especially when it affects them directly. possibly in a negative way yeah uh but i think i think he could go about this in a way that would he just needs to get them excited about the change i like that you know i I mean the worst thing that he can do is and it sounds like he has not done this but the worst thing that he can do is come in there and be like all right people i'm here i'm making changes get used to it the way you've been doing it is wrong right that's the worst the second worst thing that he can do is what he has done which is come in and want to make changes and not make any of them. And, and, and let everybody, I, I'm not saying he did this, but a bad thing is to make everybody feel that like 
this is some kind of a consensus that it's up to them. That's not correct. If I'm understanding this right, it sounds, let me just reread this so that we can all listen to this. He says, he's coming into a new company that has a long track record of success and there's the expectation that he will drive a mandate of change. The president of the company is behind him, but the rest of the team is lukewarm about the changes that he's trying to implement. Now, I don't know what the changes are. He's in finance. Right, I don't think it's like... Is he a chief financial officer, whatever? Here's the thing. And I have, I have two thoughts on this. The first thought is, one must be sensitive to the current status quo. One must be sensitive and aware of the dynamic that's there in the workplace. You, you don't want to make enemies of right. your employees. You don't want to make enemies of your peers. And just because the president says, I, you, key up, you've got my full confidence. I trust you. Do whatever you need to do. That doesn't mean you can do whatever the F you want to do. It means you've got to be considerate and understand the dynamic and understand that there are people whose jobs, emotions, and everything are there. What you don't want to do, though, is relent to people when they're saying, well, we don't really want to make a change the way we do it because this is good. And look, hey, we wouldn't have had the last three great years if we'd done it a different way. You're trying to mess with success here, title. But he was hired to make changes. The president empowered him with this job to make changes. So. I'm sure all of us have been in a situation where we've been hired into a job and we've looked around and we've said, oh my God, like, why do they do it this way? What is the thinking behind doing it like this? This is the, the worst idea ever. It's all about how you frame it. Why? I can't believe this is the payroll system that they use. I can't believe this is how I'm supposed to record. I have to record my time in this terrible app. Why do I have to do that? We used to have one at... Uh, at this telecommunications company I've talked about, where just entering in all these different codes for every single minute of every day, every single task. It wasn't just that we had to log each task. We had to log each task and how it related to a specific project and then what code that was on. That sounds horrific. And that in and of itself could take 30 to 60 minutes per day of time. They're trying to get extra time out of you. And then eventually you, you, would, you would have your manager coming over and be like, listen, you can't, you can't use code 118 anymore. You can't. I'm like, well, that's the project, right? But we're over budget. So we're going to make a new code, new code again. So, because like all our time had to be billable to a project. It was a nightmare. And I thought, you know, there's a better way to do this. They don't want to hear the better way, though. And in fact, maybe they can't even implement the better way. But here, in this situation with Kiop, he's he's been hired to implement something new. And I think he needs, so here's what I think. He needs to crack some skulls. He needs to, yeah, he does. He needs to draw a hard line here. Bite the ear of the dog to show you that you're boss. Okay. And he, what he <laughs> needs to do is he needs to come in there and he needs to say, listen, here are some things that I'm good, changes I'm going to make that are not negotiable. These are changes that I'm going to make that, that are definitive and that I think are important for our success. However, there, there, there are some other things here that I would like to get your take on, like your, get your opinion on. 
and I will take all of your opinions deeply under consideration. And he needs to go and spend the one-on-one time with the key players in those areas, whether that's a meeting one at a time, whether that's a bigger group meeting. But he needs to make sure that everyone's voice is heard. And then he gets to do the crappy thing, which is have the, the uh, unpopular opinion and do what he thinks is right to do. And you know what? If it's wrong, it will be his fault. And if it's wrong, he will have to fix it, or maybe he'll even get fired. And that's right. on him to do it. But if he's right, and if they, if they were right to hire him, and he makes these changes that he believes in, well, guess what? If they succeed and do better, it'll be because of him. Right. And he needs to be able to say, you know what? Yeah. These people are going to say, oh, yeah, I don't really like your idea so much. There will always be someone against you and there will always be somebody for you. And it just needs to get it. He needs to grow a pair and do the things that he thinks are right. But pick, pick the battles, pick them. You know, if there, if he wants to make 20 changes, make five now. Then make five soon and let the other 10 be up for debate and discussion. But pick the ones that he's committed to the most and make those. First. I like that idea. These are the ones that are definitely happening. No one has, else has a say in it. Right. These are the ones that we can discuss, but I'm also presenting why they need to, to happen. And this is my, my vote. And then the other five are like, you guys pick and choose. Up to you. Right. Because then they feel like they've done something and that they were a part of it. It's the same. I hate to put it in this kind of thing, but like if you if I were just to leave, let my kids dress themselves, they would pick the worst clothing. It wouldn't match. It would look terrible. No one would be warm. Everyone would be too warm. But they need to kids need to feel like they have a voice and they need to feel like they have a choice. So this is the oldest trick in the book. Parents all know what I'm going to say is that you pick two or three outfits and then you say, would you like to wear your blue shirt, your green shirt or your red shirt? Or even just your blue shirt and your red shirt. Then they get to pick. See, they're still picking. They feel like they're in control of their own life. But you're but giving them parameters right. that you know will be safe. Right. You didn't say, do you want to wear the pink cowboy boots? This is the same thing that Kiob needs to do. He needs to go and, and make certain decisions. Guess what? You're going to school, kids. Like, you're going to school. That's but here, a mandatory Here's thing. some things you could do. You can decide, do you want to wear this shirt or this shirt? Do you want to wear this? Right. There are choices within the context of the thing that you must do. So find those, Kiop, and and make it happen. Let me tell you about Dev Boot Camp. Speaking of wanting to become a software developer, designer, front-end person, there's no... I'm telling you this. This is a fact, and this can be measured. There is no better way to start this stuff than with Dev Boot Camp. They made a special URL for you guys. I want you to go... Hit pause, go and visit this, devbootcamp.com slash quit. If they see that you are going to this website, that will encourage them to book more spots on this show. And help more people become developers. So the best way for you to help other people become developers is to visit the URL. Do you get it? Circle of life. Circle of life. The other day, my son, he was asking me to tell the story of uh, the day he was born. So I told him the story and I said, and then after you were born, I took you to the top of the mountain and I held you out above and all of the animals simultaneously bowed toward you and the sun came out from behind a cloud. He's like, that's a movie, dad. I'm like, it's your life. (laughs) 
And Dev Bootcamp will be your life for about 19 weeks. That's how long it takes to become a front-end developer. Dev Bootcamp, it's the first short-term immersive bootcamp that transforms total beginners into full-stack web developers. 19 weeks, here's how it works. You spend nine weeks working remote and part-time, wherever you want. Nine weeks on-site, full-time. That's why it's like a boot camp. And then one week in career prep where they basically position you to land a real job. They help you build a portfolio. They help you learn about networking, preparing for a technical interview. They've got a career staff that's there even after you graduate. It's not like they they kick you in the butt and say, don't let the door hit you. Like they're there to help (laughs) you out. And it's amazing. You're going to learn Ruby on Rails, which is the best framework around. None of that Python crap. Toy! JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and put it all together. You're going to learn pair programming, agile development, test-driven methodology, like all of it. All of it. Devbootcamp.com slash quit. Go check it out and support the show in the process and, and learn how to do something awesome. I know every single one of you wants to learn how to code. So go there and check it out. Appreciate their support. Go and learn, friends. Go and learn. Got another email here. Some feedback from our last episode. Apparently we've got, you know, it, is it, let me ask you a question, Hattie. Is the term foreigner, not the band, but the term foreigner, like, is that like an insult? Go, oh, he's a foreigner. Is I think it insult? could be interpreted. Did we say foreigner? I'm about to say. Oh, uh, eh, I would say a person of another country. We got a bunch of foreigners listening to this show. <laughs> and uh, one of them is his name is David. Foreign to the United States. Well, what else is there, Hattie? This is a, the world. The whole world is the United States. The whole world yeah, is the United that's States. That's the whole world. That's what we think here. It's a, today is the vote. Did you vote today? Where's your sticker? I didn't vote. Huh. It's what time is it? It's early. It's early in the day. I haven't even had. They, they a line. They get it done. And what did you, I thought you said you had a smoothie with two eggs in it. I did. That's a great breakfast. It is. Yes. Okay. A bunch of foreigners listen to this show. <laughs> And one of them named David writes in and he says, regarding the latest episode about craft, I'm from Italy. Ah. And now live in Spain. España. Now, my understanding is Italian and Spanish are both what, what I will call, for the sake of argument, romance languages. Correct. And there's essentially no real noticeable difference between the two of them except some There's, stresses here and there on different syllables no they're very very different it's so like you say tomato i say tomato that's the basically the difference Italy between has more uh, italian French, has italian more and brazilian latin Portuguese. in it than spanish does whatever i know i know how to speak italian fluently oh you do yes i can say anything in italian ciao ciao ranzoni sono buoni <laughs> See? My sister can speak Italian. So I'll talk to her. She can tell me what I know. He says, I'm from Italy and now live in Spain. He's a caller. He's a writer. He's written in. He's called in before. Nice. 
And I would add that in Italy, coffees, okay, so for those who haven't listened, shame on you if you didn't listen to the last episode, but we talked about coffee and how it's made improperly here in the United States, espresso coffee. I would add that in Italy, coffee is so cultural that in any bar, and he says in Italian, this refers to a cafe, that in any bar you expect to get a good coffee, even in a highway service station, which I think he's referring to what the, we would call a gas station. Even in a gas station, you're going to get good coffee, he says. That's true. If you're picky about coffee, you'd look for the coffee brand outside the bar. And he says, Pascucci, Ili, Sagafredo. I know it was you. I know it was you. You broke my heart. Lavazza, which generally have deals of supply with the individual bars. Of course, some places are better than he actually I'm correcting. He says some places are better than others. (laughs) But the goal is to get a coffee, sometimes to sit down. But 90 percent of the time people come in, stand at the bar, drink the coffee. If breakfast, I could eat my Cornetto, which is a croissant. It's not the chocolate ice cream Cornetto. While standing and then leave. I do it all the time when I'm back in Italy. So people are coming in. They don't sit down. They walk up to the bar. It's all standing desks everywhere. Boom, and that's it. And then they're gone. We don't care about the fancy things that guy in the Medium article mentions about San Francisco cafes. There are good practices for making coffee, and we might look down on somebody doing it wrong here, like making it uh, too watery. Anyway, I'm halfway through the podcast, and I heard you mention sushi chefs. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Pause on his email. Oh, I love sushi. We'll talk about that. Much love from an Italian heart in Madrid, Spain. David. He is our number one listener right today. Gracias, David. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what we, what we talked about in the last episode. About the nature of craft. About the nature of making things. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to sort of get offended about being told, oh, you're doing it wrong. No one wants to hear that they're doing it wrong, and especially no one wants to find out that they're doing it wrong. And who better to tell you that you're doing it wrong in the world of making espressos than people from Italy? (laughs) Than the Italians. Because they invented it. They're also nice. I feel like they would tell you you're doing it wrong in a nice way. Mm. They're emotional. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what makes them great. Anyway. (laughs) But does that mean that it can't evolve? What if the evolution of espresso, which certainly absolutely started there in Italy, but what if the natural evolution of espresso is what we have here at Blue Bottle Cafe? Purple purple bottle. Yeah. What (laughs) what if, what if, but what if that is the natural evolution? What if espresso today is what you get at Starbucks. What if that is the natural evolution of it? What if the natural evolution is to become something that takes way right. too long uh, by their standards to make and is way too watery by their standards and it, it is all about this, that, and the other thing? What is that to say that it, this... Ca- okay, right, perfect like, oh. example. Perfect example. Okay, you go first. Martini. Not martini from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I know that's what you were thinking of. <laughs> yes. I want my cigarettes, Nurse Ratchet. Danny that's DeVito. Great movie. That's actually a different character in, in, in the movie. I thought you said he was no, martini. No, wait. He is martini. Yeah. What's the other guy says my cigarettes at? My cigarettes. I want my cigarettes. What's his name? The actor's name and the person's name. Martini is Danny DeVito, but what's that guy's name? That's not martini. You're right. Right. That's the other one. That's the... He's, he's similar <sighs> Look, in build. Anyway. <laughs> 
I'll look it up. Martini's just just wacko. He doesn't say have any great lines. I love Martini. I bet a dollar. That's his line. I bet a dollar. I bet 50 cents. And so he breaks it in half. You can't break the cigarettes in half, Martini. What's to say that the way that we're doing it now is not a natural evolution? Well, look at a real Martini. When I say Martini, I'm talking about gin. It's a little tiny bit of vermouth in it. And then maybe you want a little twist, a little lemon, lime twist, whatever your preference is there. Maybe you want an olive or two, not three. That's a martini. Cheswick. Cheswick. Thank you very much. Title of the episode should be Cheswick. Cheswick. His name was Sidney Lassick. Poitier. So <laughs> when, you're, when you're there and you order uh, at the bar and you order a martini, you said like a martini, you sh- if you just say, I want a martini. There will be a second question. Oh, uh, now. Do you, do you, well, there'll be a series of questions. If you, if you know how to order it, you'd say, I'd like, and let, let's just go with a, a mainstream, a gin, a Bombay Sapphire, which has fallen out of favor. Is they all? It's all like local uh, stuff now. But let's say Bombay Sapphire Martini up with an olive. That means up means in the in the nice traditional martini glass, not in a little tumbler glass. Right, not in a little tumbler glass. However, to this uh, new generation of people, martini not only it feels like could an old it drink. mean not only could it mean vodka, but it does mean vodka. When most people say, "Oh, I, w- I want a martini," they might they might say vodka martini. But the prevalence and dominance of vodka martinis is so much that you almost have to specify a gin martini or else you're going to get a vodka martini. Right. Oh, you mean a Grey Goose? No, I never mean Grey Goose. I literally <laughs> never mean Grey Goose. Never in my whole life will, will I ever mean Grey Goose. If I'm ordering vodka, by the way, I want to taste it. And why are you ordering vodka? Exactly. I can't do vodka anymore. Gin martini. But to a lot of people... There is only a gin martini. The that's idea of what it, a de- that's the definition of martini is gin. So if it's not gin, it's not a vodka martini. It should have its own name. Call it something else. Don't call it a vodka martini. It's not a vodka martini. It's something else. Appletini. Well, I've yeah, never had an appletini. <laughs> go with something like that. Make up a new name. For it, vodka teeny, fine, whatever you want to call it, that's fine. A vodini, but it's all right, but it's something else. And I feel like th- there's a problem that people have if they're told that they're, that the thing that they think of as the way it's done, and this makes a lot of sense for you in the workplace. But if you think about something, the way that things are being done are wrong, or the, you have old thinking, you have an old way of thinking. Not a modern way of thinking, an old way of thinking. That hurts a lot of people. People who are using, so, oh, well, you're using the wrong software for this. We have new software. Forget what you've spent 10 years mastering. We have this new thing now. People don't like that. But there are certain things, and I think espresso is one of them, where, you know, what, what would you say if you went to one of these, uh, and I, I say this in a loving way, one of these hipster coffee shops, and you said, I would like an espresso, or I want a macchiato, or I want whatever. And they do the thing, and they make it for you. And if you, if you transported that barista to 
you know, the best coffee shop in Italy and watched how they do it and tasted their coffee there and then brought them back to the U.S., they might say, well, that was a really interesting trip. That's great. But here's how we do it here. This is our culture here. This is the American version, just like uh, like you like you're going to say about mm-hmm. sushi, mm-hmm. like the American rolls, yeah. versus the traditional. They're both great, right? But one is the way you do it, and the other one is the adapted American way. And, <laughs> and maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Right? It might not be the way you like it. It might feel wrong to you. It might not be like home to you. But people that poo poo, oh, that's just an American rule. Well, What's wrong with that? So food is food. I was at a, I was I was at a sushi restaurant recently, and I forget what it was that I ordered. It was some kind of a roll, and I ordered the roll, and I said, uh, I said I made a joke. I said, no, we want like the traditional version, and he, and the the waiters he he's like a server. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, that's not the original version. That's not how it is in Japan. He's like, these are all American rolls. Like, all of them are new versions. Whereas to me... And you have to specify if you want the other one. Right. <laughs> that is the vodka martini. That's the vodka martini. And I don't even know I'm drinking the vodka martini. To me, it's just, that's the only martini I've ever had. Who would want to drink gin? That's gross. I'm trying to think of more examples of that. Jiro Dreams of Sushi is a 2011 documentary. So good. It's about uh, an 85, then 85-year-old sushi master, Jiro Ono. And he has a restaurant in Tokyo that is like a little tiny corner thing. Inside in of a, a strip mall. And it's in a subway, I think. It's yeah. down in, and now that sounds weird. But in South Korea, it was this way too, is that, that the subways are not like subways that we have here, which are crappy and you just want to get out what of is, them. Which is like a trash tunnel. Right. A trash tunnel title. <laughs> But they are more like shopping centers, places to, to go and do things and like you can spend time in them. And they're... The nice ones in London are like that too. There's yeah. like a little Harrods, you know. Right, like, right, like right, 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 right. And exactly. you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and he, it, it's his relationship with his son and and it's a wonderful movie. I think that you can stream it for free. Netflix, uh, on right? Netflix, Yeah. If you have Netflix. If you have Netflix. I'm sure there are other ways to get it. You could probably even just watch it online somewhere. I have a, I will put, or I have a link to it already for IMDb. Uh, oh, and it's on Amazon. You can watch it everywhere. That movie is very inspiring, I, I uh, hope. I can't possibly recommend a better way to spend an hour and 21 minutes if than you, watching this. If you feel uninspired to do the things that you do every day, no matter how mundane they are, how amazing they are, Watch this movie, and I feel like it will refuel you to do your best job always. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that what this movie will leave you with is an understanding and appreciation for craft. Because here's somebody who has dedicated his entire life to making sushi, to making the perfect sushi. And... It really is, it really is impressive to think that there's somebody who became a master of something and whose whole life really is just dedicated to just making something like this. And never letting his standard fall. Right. And they actually said... It's maintaining a standard. That's what he's doing every day. It's not he's... He's not working and going into work every day and making sushi. He's maintaining 
a level and a standard that he is proud of. Right. And it, it costs a small fortune to eat there. You've got to make it six months in advance or a year in advance for, for I don't, one meal. I wouldn't meal. even care. I would make it five years in advance. You I... don't get to pick what he gives you. He just makes it's a it. Taste. It's a chef's taste. He, gives, he gives you what he wants you to have. And they make you sit in special areas yeah. and everything. I yeah. love it. And, and and it's like he might have five, five customers in a day. That's it. That's all he needs. And it, it's such an amazing thing. And, but you know what? Like people, well, that's, you know, that's fine for Jiro. But in reality, like what are you doing in your job, in your life, in your career that you can do and put your best work into? Why not? Why do anything? If it's not your best work, why right. put anything out there if it's not your best? What can you change about your life and your approach to your work so that everything that you do is the best thing that, that you do? When an extra ice cube pops out of the little ice maker in your fridge, do you pick it up or do you sort of kick sweep it underneath your fridge and let it melt under there and <laughs> don't worry about it? You don't have to answer that, Hattie. But oh, you're you know, asking no, me? No, I'm not asking No, you. I pick it no, up I, because I, I don't like stepping on the cold but ice. But you kick it under the fridge. No, and but it melts. then you have to touch it. No, it's under foot. the fridge. You've kicked it, swept it away. I'm usually not wearing shoes in my well, home. What can you do to make sure you're always wearing shoes in your home? Separate topic. Wear shoes? <laughs> I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, do you, do you have that follow through in every single thing that you do? If you have a car and you park it under a tree and the birds poop on it, do you immediately go home Don't and look wash at me. The, do you immediately go home and wash the car or do you just continue to drive around with it? That makes a statement about you, about the things Maybe that you're you so own. busy that you just About the can't. quality of the things. I remember I, a friend of mine, an ex-boss of mine, multimillionaire. He made millions and millions of dollars when uh, Time Warner Cable bought AOL. Became a multi-multi-millionaire at that time. Probably never had to work again. But he continued to work because he enjoyed it and worked on stuff that he liked doing. And the way he treated his computers and stuff like that, he would throw these things around. He worked them, man. He used it. And by, by the time that he was buying a new computer, he had used that computer, you know? He got, he'd squeezed every dime out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and when I see people, it looked like a Millennium Falcon when he was done with it, all beat up. It's kind and, of awesome. Yeah. But he used it. He brought it with him everywhere. He used it on everything all the time, you know. So when he said, oh, I need a new computer, like he meant it. But how many of you out there are, are, are keeping your computers just absolutely pristine? And, and, and is there something wrong with that? No, I don't think there is. I'm not criticizing it at all. I'm saying you have that level of caring, but why? Why are things knolled perfectly in your drawers and on your desk? Why are you doing that? But then in other areas of your life, maybe even in the work that you do, you're not worried about making it perfect. You're not worried about making it accurate. You're not worried about doing only your best work. Do only your best work. That's so key. It's so critical. You know, before we did this show, one of the things I've been trying to do is streamline our, our workflow, our process here. I'm not going to make this about audio gear and podcasting. But in order to try and stream, we, had, we have a very nice piece of audio equipment. It's uh, called an Apollo from Universal Audio. And it's a digital mixer, digital interface. And there's so much that you can do with this thing. It eliminates the need for external preamps and a whole bunch of other gear externally, compressors and noise gates and all this. It does all of it. It's a powerful little thing. Very. 
And we have not been using it to its full potential because configuring it and making it do that certainly takes time. And I said, you know what? In order to streamline this, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to have all these extra pieces of equipment in this big rack that we have to you know, keep taking up a huge amount of space like an appliance, like a small fridge in our office? I could consolidate everything and I could make it sound better in the process because the processing that's built in or that can, you know, the plugins that are built for the Apollo are outstanding. And in theory, way better than some of the, anything but kind of the mid and upper range audio gear. What if I just learn how to use these plugins, then I can really streamline everything. I can make everything better. That's what I want to do. So I spent the time to do it. And it's still not perfect. There are still little things I want to get right that I still need to do. And I've spent hours and hours and hours on this. Why? Will you guys notice it? Maybe, maybe not. Chances are most people will not notice the things that I am nitpicking. But it must sound right to me. It must be perfect to me. It must be just right to me. Or I feel like I'm, you know, and I basically spent 25 minutes again this morning tweaking it. Because I want to get it right. And I'll spend more time later today. I'll spend more time tomorrow until it's perfect. Because I can't live with it any other way. Can you? Why? Why? Why can you live with it? Why can you live with it? Why is it okay for you to live with it? I'm not okay with it. Why are you okay with it? Jiro and his sushi place is not okay with it. They told, I don't want to ruin the movie, but they basically told his son. Who himself is like 60 something years old. Right. Right. Wasn't he in his 50s? Yeah. Everybody, everybody's up there. He's been working under his dad for years and years and years. And they were saying in the movie that for him to go when his dad finally retires, if his dad ever retires. When his dad finally retires, it, he said it will not be enough for the son to be as good as his dad. That would be considered a failure. A failure. Right. It's not he needs to be three times better than his dad in order for him to just be considered the same. Right. For him to be, and, and yet, it's impossible to be better than his dad. His dad is the best. Nothing, right. there is no way to be better than the dad. He must, so the younger son, if I'm remembering this right, was not going to inherit the business. The right. younger so he son went and, did, like went an and did his own sushi restaurant and it's a huge success. But he doesn't but have to be as good as his dad. He could just do amazing sushi. Right. He'll never be as good as his dad. He doesn't he's have not, to live in the he shadow. he doesn't have to live in the shadow of his dad because he's the younger son. The older son. That's the only thing he sh- Has to take about. over the business and has to be better than his dad, which is impossible. His, li- his son is destined to only fail. <laughs> he <laughs> cannot succeed by definition. That's so Japan. Let me tell you guys about Wellfront. I love me some Wellfront. It's an automated investment service with nearly $3 billion in client assets under management. They manage a diversified, continually rebalanced portfolio of index funds on behalf of their clients in a low-cost and tax-efficient manner. Done. What does that mean, though? Because, Hattie, I saw, when I read that, right, you're like, I saw your eyes kind of, you kind of looked around, you glazed over, you quick pulled out some nail polish, started doing a nail. Right. You know what? Because those are technical terms. Let me let me put this in English for you and for for me and for the rest <laughs> of the listeners. They make it easier 
for anyone to get access to sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment strategies and portfolios without high fees, without account minimums that you're going to find when you go with a traditional wealth manager. To get the stuff that they offer, you've got to, you normally have to invest in, do you have a million dollars to invest right now? Probably not. Good luck finding the tools that they have, except with them. They made it, they brought it out and giving, giving it to you. You don't have to pay tons of management fees. Wealthfront charges no trading commissions, completely free for accounts under 10000 And for accounts larger than 10000 their management fee is only 0.25% per year. Modern technology, rigorous investment research, cut out the middleman, everyone gets investment management. It's pretty awesome. So I want you to go and check these guys out. They made a special URL. Go to Wealthfront. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Again, just going there supports the show. If enough of you pull over to the side of the road right now, to launch your mobile, mobile safari and go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 I think you'll want to sign up when you see what this has because investing oh, yeah. just a tiny little bit of money now is going to make a huge difference for the rest of your entire and life. you don't have to do anything. They do they everything. Do it all. But go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Support the show. And, uh, and you're going to see some amazing technology here just for five by five listeners if you sign up to invest they will manage your first fifteen thousand dollars entirely free of charge for life never pay commissions never pay hidden fees and you won't even have any management fees up to that first fifteen thousand claim it wellfront.com slash five by five go check them out good stuff manage that wealth that you get from learning to code you know what can you do in your life hattie that why why isn't the stuff that you're doing perfect? Well, I don't really like my job. Oh, so you should do a crappy job then, because that's how you'll get promoted. That's right. how you'll that's how you'll build a resume. That's how you'll you need to wake up in the morning job. and and be excited about the thing that you're doing and find the thing in your job that you really like to do. There's got to be something. My brother-in-law is driving a delivery truck now, and he has to drive all the way out to Pflugerville. Ugh. From Austin. Nobody wants to drive to Pflugerville. He has to drive to Pflugerville at like 4.30 in the morning to go and do pick up all the stuff to do his route. The, he, he's working six days a week, long hours. He's miserable at it, I think. But I say to him, what can you find that you enjoy about that? Or how can you make it enjoyable? How can you make it enjoyable? There are a lot of things that you could do in that- I am already thinking of- Two. Crappy situation. One, you could listen to this podcast for one. Right. Just on repeat all day. Music. Two. No music. Just this podcast. Have you start with episode one. Right. That's good. And then when you get to episode 88, start back at one again. Right. Re, re. But think about that. He could listen to books on tape. Because he's getting He could learn stuff. He could master stuff. He could learn a language. Learn Italian. He could do all of this stuff. He could enjoy the peace and quiet and solitude. Of the morning. Of the morning. Or while drinking his coffee while he drives out there. Bakeries are open very, very early in the morning. Go and get like the first croissant that they make in the morning. Go he eats and get a lot it. Of gluten. Right, that I know. <laughs> You've told me. But you know, like I'm not saying this is gonna make you love your job. I'm not saying this is gonna make you love your career choice. But, but there are there are, what opportunities do you have to make it better? And then when he's out there, guess what? You know how many times a delivery driver comes to the door and they're jerks? All, almost all the time, they're jerks. 
And your package is like all crushed. Be the guy who doesn't crush packages. Be the person who is not a jerk. You, you work in a call center, a crappy call center. Okay, be the person who's going to be the nicest person in the call center. When someone says, put me on your do not call list, say, absolutely, sir. I'm sorry to bother you. Or if you happen to get someone that's very, very nice on the phone, this happened to me a few times. They said, uh, when I was dealing with some tax-related things, I think, and they were saying, two people actually said this. They said, thank you for being so kind and so patient today. Thank you for not yelling at me. And I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, why would I yell right. at you? You're helping me. Exactly. Like, so like maybe even thank the people that, that do make your day better. Right. So I just got a text from my wife just now. Box crushed. No. Oh. <laughs> can, you, can you tell me, Hattie, what is this a picture of? Oh, that is a picture of a Kirkland pink wild Alaskan salmon. It is like a, a cans of salmon stacked on top salmon. of each other. One, two, three, four, five, six, half a dozen cans. I like salmon. So she, last week, I guess she went to Costco. Love Costco. Kirkland brand is great. And she, yes, fantastic. And she bought this. Mm -hmm. And my son, he likes likes tuna fish sandwiches, but there's a lot of mercury in the tuna. So we're trying to swap out, get him to eat salmon. Every once in a while. (laughs) Not every once in a while, like completely. (laughs) So she went and bought this salmon. I guess she bought it, tried it, and he liked it. So she's giving him this instead. So she went to Costco to buy it. And she said, well, she, she's looking around like yesterday or day before, day before yesterday. She's like, I don't know what happened to the salmon. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, it's gone. I'm like, what do you mean it's gone? She's like, it's not in the car. It's not in the house. Oh, it's gosh. on the receipt. <laughs> I know I bought it. And you know how things are at Costco where you put things in the boxes and it's, it's easy to leave an item behind. Oh, yeah. It's easy to leave Or it even behind. like a box or a bag of things like where you walk out with like two. Right. And then there's the one left. Yeah. So it got left somewhere in the store. And, and she's like, that sucks. That was like 15, 20 bucks of salmon. Salmon is expensive. And I said, I said, when, the next time you go back, I said, or you could even make a special trip if it's worth it to you. I said, but the next time you're there, bring your receipt up and say, you know what? I forgot. Uh, somehow I, I forgot this. I don't know what happened. It never I, made it, it home. But it never made it into my car. I think I must have left it or, or something happened. And I said, they'll give you a new one. Even if they can't corroborate it, they'll just give you a new one. They're because trusting that you're an honest yeah. person, but they'll, they'll do that. And she's like, they will. There. Do you think so? I said, I guarantee you they will do it. I because, 100% yep. guarantee you that they will do that for you. And she's, she was skeptical. She said, all right, maybe I'll try it. She just sent me a picture. Of this stack of uh, salmon. And she said in the text, it just came in live. Costco manager remembered it being left last week, so gave me it free. Oh, <gasps> that's so sweet. Right. Be- and, and so even if he hadn't, or she, I assumed as he, could be she. Uh, even if they hadn't remembered, they would have given it to her anyway. Right, she's not a the, seedy person. The, <laughs> even, even if she was a seedy person. The $15 worth of salmon compared to the loyalty of a customer. Right. Where do you think she's going to buy her salmon from now on? Where do you think she's going to buy more stuff from now on? Because the experience was so easy and positive. 
it cost even if she even if she had just freaking lied even if she had had it and we all ate it we had I a never salmon got a salmon party over the weekend my 72 cent i mean 72 cent i never got my 72 inch tv it just never well, made it in my car that's a different that's a different story <laughs> but even if we'd had a salmon party all weekend long salmon party eating all the salmon and then she went back in and like well didn't make, they would give it to her anyway because they would rather have her a happy customer and a return customer. It's worth $15. Also, she's basically saying, look, I love the salmon. I want it so much that I came back to the store instead of like, oh, well, and I guess it never made it in my bag. I'll just run to Randall's. You know, like she came back to Costco so that and, and the, the manager saw that and said, wow, she likes this so much. She's a loyal customer already. Right, exactly. I need to keep her. And that, the, but knowing that and having that attitude and doing your job that way can make all the difference. Listen, Hattie, that's all we got time for. We're 12 minutes over. So let's wrap this up. Thanks very much to our sponsors. Hattie's on Twitter eight, at, at H A D D I E Bird. Hattie, Hattie Bird. Bird. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Please go to 5x5.tv slash contact. And click the link there for quit and tell me your story. Did you quit a job and it went well or badly? Do you have a story about a difficulty that you faced at work that you were able to fix? Do you need advice? Email us. Let us know. We like all the things. Love to hear from you. Thanks very much for listening. See you next week.